It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Red Sox beat on CLNS Radio. I think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day, and I'd be totally cool with it because I think it would. It, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will. I think they're going to make Jeter that first unanimous vote, and I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame. Achievement or a new milestone. They don't just be like, hey, we, we signed this player for a ceremony. Like, no, no. Like Now, to your hosts. All right, Red Sox beat CLNS Media, of course, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for your Boston Red Sox at CLNS Media on Twitter, Facebook, search CLNS Media. Don't forget the uh, mobile podcast app as well as clnsmedia.com, brand new website. We love it. It's fantastic. It's 10 times better than the old one. Um, And please tell Nick Jelso that if you see him because he agrees with you and he'll have a nice heart-to-heart about it. So, uh, at Red Sox underscore beat on Twitter, Facebook, Red Sox beat podcast. And, uh, yeah, I think I covered them all for the most part. Don't forget to go, of course, and rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes as well. Season's around the corner. No Lauren tonight. Uh, Jess and myself have a guest on as well. But, Jess, uh, how are we? Doing well. Looking to, looking to uh, answer some questions here and maybe maybe get some clearance here from our, our guests that we're about to introduce here on uh, on some topics as the as spring training is about to start here. Let's bring our guest in uh, on Twitter at Smitty, S-M-I-T-T-Y, uh, on MLB. It's Christopher Smith of uh, MassLive.com, covers the Red Sox. What's going on? How are you, Chris? Hey, what's going on, guys? You know, it's been a slow off offseason, um, and that's why I'm intrigued to talk to you because you know, you cover the team. It's been a slow off season. What in the world is going on with JD Martinez and your personal slash professional opinion? Do they get this guy, or is this going to be a waste of time for the Sox? You know, at this point, it's very difficult to say if they're going to get him because um, you know uh, Scott Boris is going to hold out. I feel, and and this thing could, you know, law, you know, could go on through mid-spring training. It could go on through the season, really. I mean, there's already been a report that one Scott Boris client has said that he he's willing to hold out until mid-year to get the money, to get the contract that he wants. Um, or I think it was either one Scott Boris client or just some big free agent uh, that was a report about. So, listen, you know, they need a big bat, but... I wrote about it a couple of weeks ago. I, I'm I'm fine if they do what they they they've done so far and just offer them the reported uh, 125 million. 
and not go up because there really isn't a market right now. There's no other team. So they would be bidding against themselves. And we've seen so many times, you know, we could, we the fans have criticized the Red Sox this offseason for doing nothing. And that's, that's fair. I mean, they needed to add a middle of the order hitter and that's fair to criticize them. They should have been criticized for not, you know, putting more effort into getting skin. However, We've also criticized them for signing some horrific contracts. You know, Kyle Crawford, um, you know, Hanley Ramirez, uh, Pablo Sandoval. So, you know, I mean, is there a happy medium? Um, you know, we look at it, and maybe the most successful offseason they've had in, in recent history was before the 2013 season when they, you know, they did a bunch of small you know, short-term deals like, you know, Shane Victorino for thir- three years, $39 million. You know, they did uh, Mike Napoli originally for three years, $39 million, but it was reduced to one year cause of his, because of his hip issue. And, and you know, they got Johnny Gomes for a couple of years and David Ross and Ryan Dipson. Those were short-term deals, and they worked out. I'm looking at this market right now, and I think that, there's a lot, like I've told this to a few people, there's a lot of uncertainty with some of the free agents on this market. Um, you know, you look at like Hosmer and he, his OPS, you know, it's seven, it's in the 700s one year, 800s the next year, 700s the next year, 800s the next year. It's difficult to project how he's going to be as a hitter, you know, six or seven years down the road or even three or four years down the road. Um, and, and how he can, you know, sustain his, his you know, offense throughout a, a seven-year contract. Same can be said about J.D. Martinez because he's had injuries. I mean, he hit 45 home runs last year, but he only played 119 games because he has been a little bit injury-prone. So these, this, is a, this is a market right now where there's, there's a lot of guys that are like, you know, uh, you know, I mean, should they, you know, uh, they're just, it's just difficult to project how they're going to be if you give them a long-term deal when you can just wait next year and then there's other, there's got, there's, you know, a lot better players like Bryce Hopper I mean, on does, the market. Do, so, Chris, does he get the money though? That's my concern. Like, do they pay him 125 Are they going to be forced to pay him more? Because initially it was $200 million, That's what he was asking for. Or like you said, they're kind of already bidding against themselves. But you know, ultimately, I do believe they're he's here this season. But like, do they pay him 125 million dollars? Do they pay him more, or do you think that contract ends ends up being what he gets? No, I think he'll get more um, because I, you know, it's interesting. Like, so that that you know, the, the why a free agent would stay out until halfway through the year is because at that point, you know, a team like the Red Sox might really need a power hitter and you know they you know there's no trades that could happen and they really need a power hitter, and that would force them to to go out and you know give a jd martinez the contract that he would want um it, it's just a very interesting dynamic with scott Porras because you know you look at certain guys and like prince fielder before the 2000 what is it 13 or 14 season or maybe no it was before the 2000 12 or 13 season. I don't know, whatever. He didn't have really of a market. It didn't feel like. He didn't sign until January 26th or something like that. And when he finally did sign with the Tigers when they had Dombrowski as their GM, and it seemed like he was just bidding against himself, but Boris actually got the contract that he wanted. See, I think that people, GMs are finally looking at it and, and seeing like, 
okay, well, these contracts haven't worked out, these long-term deals. Even like Warner, uh, Tom Warner mentioned it to us the other day. You know, these long-term contracts haven't worked out, especially with Boris in recent years. I mean, you know, you look at Jacoby Ellsbury, um, Chu for the Texas Rangers, uh, as I said, uh, Prince Fielder. I mean, these, these just have not worked out. And so... I think he'll. I think he'll end up with more than 125 million. But if he wants to play ball this year, then I don't think he's going to get 200 million. And if I was the Red Sox, as I said, you know, stick with the 125 million dollar deal. If somebody else ups the offer, you know, and, and gets ahead of you, then go to 150. But I don't see going over 100. Or going over 150 for this guy. If, if you're going to go over 150 to this guy, just I just you know just wait till next year. So, Chris, in, in terms of that, do, do you yeah. think that do you think that I? Uh, I mean, your answer might change depending on if they get Martinez or not. But are there anybody else, any other free agents that you have your eye on that that they could get this year, or like any positions that the team's lacking at at this point? Do you think, what do you think about that? Yeah, so there's two, um, and and I would think about bringing back Eduardo Nunez because you know we saw how effective he can hit at Fenway Park. He was, you know, he's his swing is made, you know, does well at Fenway Park. Now, you know, he fits well in Boston. He's he's, he's kind of a, um, you know, a cocky guy. He's got, you know, a little bit of an attitude when he's out there playing. I like him. I'm not saying he's, he's, he's going to be the exact hitter that he was during the second half last year when he, he really was unbelievable. I mean, he posted some terrific stats. Um, but he's an option, and and that would be more of the shorter-term contract that I alluded to, like, you know, a Shane Victorino type deal um, that you get and sign him. Whereas if the contract doesn't work out, uh, look, you're, you're going to have contracts. Every, every contract isn't going to work out at some point, you know, during the deal. But, you know, with Shane Victorino, you got one good year out of him, and, that, and it was worth it, you know, it, there's certain parts of the contract that he was injured and he didn't play, but you know, it didn't kill them because it was only a three year deal. So that's one right there with Eduardo Nunez, sign him to a, you know, two, three year deal, at good average annual value. And, you know, and, and if, if the contract, the contract won't kill you because it's short term. Another person that I've thrown out there and I've gotten mixed, mixed comments back and forth. I threw the name out there on Twitter the other day is Jose Batista and everybody's like, why, why Jose Batista? You why, know, not? If, if, why not? Why <laughs> not? Yeah. Okay. So, so wait a minute. So, so people are saying to me, why Jose Batista? Because if, if you're going to go with him, then, then why not just, you know, ride Hanley Ramirez? And, and my, my thought on this is this, you need to, I always said this from the beginning of the off season, you need two hitters. And that's why I felt like Mitch Moreland, the Mitch Moreland, I, I, at the beginning of the off season, I said, sign, sign Martinez and sign uh, Matt Adams. Well, they, they ended up re-signing Mitch Moreland. I thought that was going to be a precursor for a Martinez signing. That hasn't happened yet. However, I've always said you need two hitters on this team because you do not know how Hanley is going to produce in an Every day, you know, I'm not saying he's going to play 162 games, but if he was to play 145 games, you would not know how he would be able to produce in 145 game samples this year. Okay, so, you know, so if you were to get Jose Batista, 
you could have that scenario where in, in I've heard a couple different things on Jose Padilla. First of all, I heard he got his eyes checked and he's going to wear some special glasses. I, I'm just I'm not saying that I've heard this from actual baseball people. I've just heard this from rumors from reporters and stuff. And I also heard that he had some sort of injury that would affect his swing last year. Now, you know, we were, we were looking at David, uh, David Ortiz, you know, back in 2008 or 2009, and he was falling off, you know? And I'm not saying that, that he's David Ortiz, but I'm saying that why can't he become a good hitter again? You know, why can't he get bat speed back again if he was – you know, if, if a certain injury was affecting him last year, if, if, if he did need his eyes checked, and if you get him, uh, if he did need his eyes checked and you got them fixed, if you do get him on a one-year deal, on like a one-year pillow deal for him, that's a, it's a good deal for him to make some money maybe after this year if he, if he produces well, you could get a great year out of him. Plus, as I said, you can't really rely on Hanley to play every day, and you could have more of that platoon role where Hanley plays some first base with Mitch Moreland. They, they, you know, Mitch Moreland plays against righties, Hanley plays against lefties, and then Jose Batista DHs on those days that Hanley's at first base. And then if Hanley's the better hitter, you know, then then Batista, then put him at DH on the days that Mitch Moreland's at first. But but you know, and, and put Batista on the bench. But at least have two options instead of one. So those are the two guys that I would look to if I was the Red Sox right now. Whether the Red Sox have interest in Batista, I don't know. I know they have interest in Nunez still, um, but I don't know if they have interest in Batista. And I, I you know, I know he had interest in them last off season. So, I mean, he's he's always been kind of intrigued by Boston, and I've always been intrigued by him because he is a very he's a very well spoken kind of you know he gives thoughtful answers, and I think that some of the perception that maybe soft or whatever not soft but sensitive like a David Price type is kind of untrue because you know even if he were to if he were to come here on a one year deal anyway, it's not like he's a seven year deal where you know the pressure's on with a big contract anyway. I think he could thrive here, and the fans would really like him. So I, w- I would look at those two. So offensively, obviously, they need help, and I still want Eduardo Nunez back here. I think it's very important they get him, um, considering Pedroia. But you know, on the pitching side of things, um, they, they have some guys coming back. You know, um, they they did lose; they're losing some people as well. So it's not 100 percent the same staff, but that's more or less like Doug Fisher leaving. Um, but the big thing has been Chris Sale and. I hinted, we talked about this end of last season on this show, and other people have talked about it, but his endurance is going to be an issue. It's been an issue his whole career. Winter weekend was just around, was a couple weeks ago, and he said, you know, uh, we're working on it. I'm with the coaching staff. I'm, uh, I'm working on the endurance because I know I need to pitch later into the season more successfully. Chris, do you think he can actually figure this out this, this, at this point in his career? Because forever he's been a strikeout pitcher, and that's going to continue. So can they really manage his innings? And I think the only thing that really, for me, is an upside is the fact that John Farrell is no longer his manager. But that being said, it's still on now Cora to manage this, and man, his managers in the past have not been able to manage him either. Yeah, I think that this is this is one of the more interesting storylines because he is so important. I mean, when you get to the postseason, you know, I was writing about it today for something for tomorrow. I mean, you you know, the Red Sox aren't the favorites, obviously, right now. The, the Houston Astros are, and the you know, the the Yankees are. But if you have David Price and you have Chris Sale in your rotation, and they're pitching like aces in the postseason, 
then that changes everything. And the Red Sox are the favorites, right? And so, um, it's so it's so important for him. And and it's funny, like during Winter Weekend, Pedro said in front of the entire audience on that town hall meeting on the first night that he'd like to see uh, Chris Sale throw. Um, strike out less batters and, and pitch more at contact because that would conserve, you know, pitches. And, you know, and I looked at that today. I tweeted out some stats on that. So, like, you know, he did actually pitch more to contact the year before he came to the Red Sox. And, you know, so he, he was averaging, like, 15 pitches per inning in 2016 instead of in, and then in 2017 he averaged 16 pitches per inning with, you know, all the, the strikeouts with a 308 strikeouts or whatever he had. So, you know, if you look at it, um, 200, you know, you know, if that's, you know, 20 starts or whatever, I mean, so it's basically like you'd be saving two games, you know, uh, you know, in, in, if, you know, he's throwing so many less pitches without the strikeouts. Um, so, I mean, I talked to Daniel Avangie one-on-one at the winter weekend, and I was just like, you know, I, I kind of look at this as like a whole issue with the entire staff. I was like, you know, is it is a mental thing at this point? Is it a small sample size? Because you look at it the past two years, and I only have this number in the top of my head because I wrote it today, but um, the past two years, the, the starting rotation, the, the, two, the reason that the Red Sox haven't, advanced past the ALDS is because they haven't had a home field advantage and they the starting pitching is stunk, okay, in the postseason. And they they, they pitched 20, 23 innings combined between the past two postseasons and a lot of 28 runs. That's like a 10.49 ERA or something like that. So it's not just a Chris Sale problem, it's a whole entire rotation problem. And we know that David Price obviously pitched well, but um, you know, but that was his relief role. Is there a mental hurdle that they need to get over? Um, I, I, you know, I don't know. Um, but yes, it, you know, I think it's important for all of them. And, and so Daniel Avanti said to me, it's going to be important that not only do the Red Sox, um, you know, monitor innings and, pit, and you know, and pitches and, and everything with, with Chris Hale, but everybody on the staff, and I think that's so true in, in today's game. Actually, Rob Bradford had something interesting with Josh Beckett. And Josh was like, at the end of last season, he was like, you know, I only got to so many innings a year because, you know, you, you didn't want to throw, you know, like like 190 or something because, you know, you wanted to get to the point where you were in the World Series every year and your best, you know, you were pitching at your best in October. So if they need to reduce his innings some, you know, that will help. Um, but we'll see. I mean, the, the whole pitching staff needs to pitch better, obviously, in the postseason. Yeah, so, so Chris, what do you think about this topic here? I was thinking about it earlier, uh, the, the second base uh, position, because obviously most people don't expect Pedroia to be back by the time the season starts. I think he thinks he will, but who knows if that's really true. I know you said you want Nunez back, but say they don't get Nunez uh, do you think that Marco Hernandez will suffice as a second baseman until Pedroia returns, or does that concern you since he doesn't have that much experience? Yeah, there's a couple interesting ones. Like I, I was always a big Marco Hernandez guy. Like he was funny. Like I remember sitting up at the press box his rookie year, and he was like, uh, you know, in 2000, what was it, 15 or 16? 
16. And I was like, you know, I like this guy a lot. And everybody was like, yeah, I remember Ian Brown being like, what are you even talking about? <laughs> like the only person that's on the Marco Hernandez bandwagon. And then everybody kind of got on it last spring training because he came in and he was hitting, you know, during spring training last year, he was really hitting the ball well throughout spring training and it looked really good. And so everybody kind of got on the bandwagon. And at that point, John Fowler was like, oh, he could be an everyday player. And then all of a sudden, he, you know, he, he had shoulder a uh, shoulder problem early, and it just, you know, it affected his play early. And then, you know, it ended his season in May. So I, I look at this. You have to think about it in terms of how how is a whole entire yes, missing almost a whole entire year going to affect him? I mean, we saw it with like Tra- uh, Sam Travis. Some guys can, you know, have a whole miss a whole year and, and they'll come right back the next year and be fine. Some it affects some guys. I mean, Sam Travis had a, a hell of a time coming back after missing a whole year. So we'll see. But I think he's the most talented of the group. Um, there's also Peter Gammons had written that um, Blake Swihart could play some second base, which is really intriguing because you know he's out of minor league options. He has to make the team. He took ground balls at obviously first base and third base last year during September as a September call up. Played some first base in winter ball. They think he can play left field, and so you know he could be like a Brock Holt type who can also catch uh, potentially. I mean, he couldn't play shortstop, um, but you know that's that's another uh, person. Then you look at Brock Holt and what can he be because. You know, we've seen Brock Holt be really good. I mean, he was an all-star, and he was a super utility all-star p- player that many people were comparing in 2015 to, you know, to Ben Zobrist, like that type of player. And, you know, really the the injuries have derailed him the past couple of years, especially the, you know, the concussions and the, you know, the dizziness. And uh, so maybe he's completely healthy, he has a good spring trading, and he takes that job over. Um, but I could, you know, so I could see any, any three of those guys, or I could see them using a, you know, a different, you know, using, you know, the best, whoever's the best guy on the day. So one guy that's been talked about a lot, Chris, and again, we're talking to, uh, Chris Smith here of MassLive.com, um, is JBJ just because of the fact of his trade value, you know, people are like, oh, well, if you bring in JD then you can trade Jackie Brother, blah, blah, blah. I'm curious to your take of the Jackie Bradley situation. One, does he get traded? Um, and if, if if not, does he perform well enough that we'll forget about it? Because, yeah, his defensive values there is hitting is streaky at times, but there is still some trade value there, and the Red Sox are still might be a move away from being ready to go for this season. Well, it's funny. Like, you know, when, when Dave Dombrowski comes out and he's asked about the trade rumors from, you know, I think it was Bob Nightingale, uh, tweeted about it during the first day of the winter meetings, like J- J- the Red Sox are making Jackie Bradley available. And then Dave Dombrowski comes out and says, I don't know where he got, you know, I don't know where that report comes from. He's not available. Well, obviously he has to say he's not available. You know, everybody's like, oh, Jackie Bradley's not available. Well, obviously he's, you know, Dombrowski has to say that. So I think if they were to get the right trade for him and, and they would have Martinez in place, but I also think if they were to get Martinez, they they would like a situation where, you know, they could you know have him play some some outfield, 
and, you know, rotate, you know, occasionally and rotate some of the other guys into the DH position, you know, to get them off their feet sometimes. You know, Benny Tenney had some, some of the bats at DH, you know, and Jackie Bradley, some of the bats at DH. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they did that. Um, so, you know, it, it's funny. Like, I look at Jackie, and he's, he's a good guy. Um, I, I first interviewed him in Portland. He's, he's one of the nicest guys on the team. Um, but he's, he's extremely streaky and, and he gets overvalued, I think by a lot of the beat reporters because, you know, they look at his end of the year stats and, you know, in, in his defense in his defense. And when you get down to it, first of all, with defense, I think if you were to put, you know, Mookie Betts in center field or, or you know, Benny Tenney over center field and keep Mookie Betts in right field or put, you know, Mookie Betts in center field and put Benny Tenney in right field, you wouldn't have that drastic of a defensive downgrade. Um, but, look, he has like one, one and a half months every year where he's like Mike Trout. And that makes him able to have statistics that look, you know, pretty decent at the end of the year, the past couple of years. But, you know, at times he's, he's just, I mean, he's just, he's not producing at all. And and so that's why I feel like if they could get a trade for him, they should do it. But I tend to believe that, and they would, if they got the right guy, I would think, but they're not going to just settle either because, you know, you hear about that, uh, um, the, the report, who is it? The, um, I'm trying to think the, um, uh, uh, yeah, I feel pleased. They, they, there was a rumor that they, uh, Alex Spear brought up the, the rumor that the Dodgers floated out Yasiel Puig for, for Jackie Bradley. Those are pretty comparable players, but, um, you know, they're not going to just get rid of Jackie Bradley for anybody. Um, they're going to have to get a really good player back in return. And, you know, like when I looked at the Jose Bate- the Jose Abreu thing, like the people, I was like, you know, you would trade him in a second for Jose Abreu with prospects if you could, but I don't even think the White Sox would do that deal, you know? <laughs> um, so I just look at him as like, um, I think that he's overvalued a lot here, but I still think he's a, he's a good player. I just think he's a little overvalued. And why not trade him? Because you know that, He's a Scott Boris client, and at the end of the day, he's like ja- he's like Jacoby Ellsberg. You just have a feeling that they're not going to make really any attempt to resign him, right? It, when he, when he goes into free agency in a couple of years, I mean, he's he's like that Jacoby Ellsberg type. He's just not going to probably make any attempts. So, yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what what happens with him. Obviously, barring or. Impending on what happens with with Martinez, so Chris, we've we've gone over several guys here uh, on the team, uh, so we kind of want to wrap here with you by uh, getting your take on who do you think is the most important person on this year's team, whether it be someone in management or somebody on the field uh, at this point with the current team they have right now. Ooh, I would think it would be David Price. And I think that this is the biggest storyline heading into spring training, not only his health, but how he um, you know, deals with the media this year and, and whether he has a good attitude. Um, a lot of 
people want to talk about how the, the media overblew the David Price stuff, uh, that it got overblown. I was in there. I saw David Price on a daily basis. He looked miserable last year. He was very short with the media. When he did talk to us, he didn't do one-on-ones. He, he was, you know, he, he looked like he, he was very mad at everybody. I don't know how that Chris, that is called resting bitch face. It. That is resting bitch like, face. That is fine. He finest. looked really <laughs> mad at us, okay? And that's just, I, I don't know how to describe it more than like that, to just to be, you know, put it nicely. Okay, so... Um, so with him, I think it's important, like, as I said before, um, you know, if, if Chris Sale and David Price are, are pitching like aces in the postseason, this, it changes everything. Um, so I think that he needs to have that, that, you know, he's so important to this team because, you know, if he can pitch well in the, in the, the regular season, look at the Red Sox obviously don't have an offense that compares with the Yankees by, by any means, you know, and, and they're, they obviously want to get better production from their players. They think they can get better performance out of certain players like Xander Bogarts and even Mookie Betts than they did last year. And they will have Raphael Devers for a full year. We'll see how he does. There's been certain projections, of, you know, Bill James thinks he could hit 30 home runs. We'll see. Um, but if anything can, you know, if it, the Yankees are the favorites. If anything that keep closes the gap between, as I wrote, I, I wrote for tomorrow. Um, if anything closes the gap between the Yankees and the Red Sox, it's the Red Sox starting pitching, and expect, you know, and because you look at it, and they do have two, um, you know, and they have two Cy Young Award winners. Uh, in, in David Price and Rick Purcell. They have, you know, Chris Sale, who sh- should be a Cy Young Award. I mean, he's pitched like a Cy Young Award winner more than, than you know, Rick Purcell at times. Um, you know, the, everybody on their staff has been an all-star, including, like, you know, Stephen Wright and, and um, you know, Drew Pomerantz, the only one, you know, uh, the only one that has it is Eduardo, I think. So it's like they have a staff that can, that can you know, do good things and, and, can, and can close that gap between them and the Yankees. But I think the the important thing is is David Price. He needs to have a healthy year. He needs to come in with a good attitude because, you know, he, he did he really did affect certain guys last year. So like and and I have said it before, like, you know, a lot of guys hang out with David Price, you know, and and you know, he is that type of guy that people draw to, even if he was cranky last year in certain things. Um, you know, Andrew Benatendi used to hang out with him a lot, you know, hangs out with him a lot in the clubhouse. And it's like, you don't want Andrew, you don't want him showing Andrew Benatendi, you know, that, that it's, that it's okay to just, you know, treat the media, you know, bad. You want to show him it's good to, it's, you, you want him to show Andrew Benatendi it's how to be a professional. And I think that's really what's lost in it is, the, you know, the importance of being a professional and, you know, and showing every guy if he, if he wants to be a leader on this team, um, the, you know, that he needs to be, you know, that he needs to show it both on and off the field. So I think he's the most important person coming into spring training. All right, Chris, one more from us, and then we'll get you out of here. Yeah. I need to know because John Farrell obviously was like bottom of the barrel for me. Um, 
but you know, I, I want you to fill the blank here. Alex Cora will be a blank manager this season. I think he'll be a good in-game manager, and I think that that's going a, a little bit like you know. I mean, it, it's going to be a. There's always he's he's going to have his difficulties. There's going to be times when we question him. Why'd you do this? Why'd you have this guy in there? This that the game moves fast on you. He's he's only been a bench coach. He, you know, he managed in Puerto Rico. Uh, in, in the World Baseball Classic, you know, Puerto Rico Winter Ball in the World Baseball Classic. So it's not like the major leagues where things really move fast and there's a lot of bullpen moves that need to be made and decisions, quick decisions that need to be made. We will be questioning some decisions of his, but throughout everybody that I've talked to seems like they, they're like, well, he's, we knew he'd be a good man. We, we feel like he's going to be a good manager because he knows the game so well. And, and he's, he was always talking about it when he was on the bench as a Red Sox player back in the day, you know, in, in 2005 to 2008 or whatever he was with the Red Sox, you know, he was always managing the game in the dugout and he was always saying the right things to do or, you know, so I actually think he's going to be a good in-game manager, even though there is going to be a little bit of a learning curve. Um, that will be good to have Ron Renneke on his bench as, he, as, the, uh, you know, as, as his bench coach beside him because he has some experience, obviously, as a manager. But I really do think he has the ability to be a good in-game manager. It might take a little bit. There's going to be some people that complain, as I said, to people that, that hated John Farrell. And, and it's not like I was a huge John Farrell supporter, I, I wrote in 2015 before anybody that when when is he going to be on the hot seat? I wrote that column. So I, it's not like I was a huge John Farrell supporter, but I'm saying that anybody, even even as likable as he can be for the Red Sox manager, um, he he's going to be under scrutiny. If you if you're the Red Sox manager, you're going to be under scrutiny, no matter how likable you are. And, and Cora comes off as a very likable guy, um, but you know we saw with with Terry Francona, he was called, you know, Terry Francoma, you know, and he, you know, we looked back now and we're like, you know, he, he's the best manager in baseball, but there's times that he was under criticism and, you know, so he's going to face criticism. It's how he deals with it. And I think he will be a good in-game manager. And I think that he'll help some guys like, you know, David Price and, and other guys in that um, clubhouse that, looked too much into the media last year and, and got their attention off the field to kind of focus it on what's going on every day in that clubhouse and and not to focus on what, you know, Chris Smith and Evan Drellick and everybody else writes. All right, Chris, we'll leave it at that. Uh, Chris, appreciate the time. At Smitty on MLB for Mass Live on Twitter. Um, obviously good stuff. And season's right around the corner, Chris. We're all very excited, and we uh, appreciate you hopping on with us for a few minutes. All right, thanks for having me. Thanks, Chris. All right. All right yeah, Chris uh, Chris Smith at Smitty on MLB for MassLive.com. Uh, good work as always, and we appreciate him hopping on. G- Got to talk to real people because there's not a lot of news going on, so we figured we might as well throw some content out there and get someone else's opinion on the stuff we've already talked about. But look, there's a lot of intriguing storylines, and uh, Chris was brought to you by our good friends at DraftKings. Basketball season is back, of course, and now that your favorite hardwood heroes have returned to action, it's time for you to put your fantasy knowledge to the test to win huge cash prizes every night playing one-day fantasy basketball at DraftKings.com. At DraftKings, there are so many different ways to play, guys, that you 
public contests, cash prizes, or private contests where you compete against your friends as well. Uh, they've, been, they've even got beginner and casual contests where you'll play against people of similar skill level. The best part, though, is you get to draft a new team every day. Look, long team fantasy, um, long season fantasy, you get stuck with injuries, things like that. You get the draft every day, best part of fantasy, and of course you're going to win cash doing it. Just ask Dan from St. Louis or Jeremy from Austin. They both turned a $3 entry, that's it, into a 1000 bucks. Huge cash prizes and bragging rights await only at DraftKings, so check it out. Use our code CLNS at DraftKings.com to play free with your first deposit for your share of $10,000 in total prizes tonight. Don't wait. Use our code CLNS at DraftKings.com now to choose your lineup, and you can seriously cash tonight. That's code CLNS at DraftKings.com. The game inside the game, minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Details. Just this season is going to be interesting. Put it that way. And uh, it is. It, there's no, a lot of I intriguing like, storylines. I like his price thing with him being the most important because you could definitely say Sale. You could definitely say you know someone like Hanley or or uh, Betts. You know one of the main ones like that. But I I kind of agree with with Price because it's like it, it, that's a huge deal. If he's as good as he can be, this team could be incredible. If he's a little whiny baby like he has been. They might not be very good. So even, I think even if it was last year, though, if he's, if he's a whiny baby but pitches well, whine all you want. I don't care because this, this dude is is going to be a top pitcher. He it's How David Price pitches this year will decide if this team's rotation is going to be good or not because we know what right. you're getting from Chris Sale. You know what you're getting from Rick Porcello, presumably. Eduardo Rodriguez, Stephen Wright. You know what you're getting. It's David Price is the question mark in that rotation. If he it comes back and pitches fine, and I don't care if he whines as long as he pitches well, then by all means, then you're going to have a good rotation because then it goes Sale, Price, Porcello, whatever order you want to put them, Eduardo Rodriguez, those guys. That's okay. Drew Pomerantz. And Drew Pomerantz. Drew Pomerantz, your best friend. So look, right. this rotation can be okay, but I think David Price is a very important piece, obviously, because He's a top three guy in this rotation, if not top two, if he can figure it out, depending on what Porcel gives you. And will he last the year? That's exactly. the biggest question. That's the big Is one. he going to actually pitch? Will Chris Sale last healthy? the year? That's another big question. Well, at least he's lasted every year with, with Price. Now you got the you get this lingering elbow thing, and will he have to have surgery on it, or can he wait till his career's over, or is he going to fall apart in the middle of the season, or is it not going to matter at all? No, he's going to pitch well because he can opt out and go somewhere else. It's going to be a good year <laughs> for him. You know that, right? He's going to pitch out of his mind. He's going to shut his mouth because he wants to leave, and the only way to leave is to pitch well so you can opt out and get paid somewhere else. That's it. Um, big shout-out to Chris coming on. We're going to end it there. Uh, don't forget to follow us at Red Sox underscore beat on Twitter, Facebook, search Red, Se- Red Sox beat podcast. Wow. And then uh, don't forget to go follow the network at Cianus Media um, and Cianus Media on Facebook as well. CianusMedia.com, brand new website. We love it. It's fantastic. It works so well. Uh, no Lauren this week. She'll be back next week with us for Just Thomas. I am Jared Scali. This has been Red Sox beat again on Cianus Media. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>